You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill as week one of the NFL season is at last in the books. And last time I checked, week two has not been canceled yet, which means there's a football to cover. I'm real excited about it. Rich, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing well. It's always great to come back in on a victory Tuesday uh, or Wednesday, I guess, in this case. Uh, it's always nice to see the Patriots pick up right where you left them off as the best team in the AFC East. Cam Newton has slotted in. Uh, there's not a lot to be upset about in Patriots Nation. How are you doing? I'm great, man. That was a really fun game to watch. You know, I've been watching the Patriots since I was about eight or nine years old, and I have never in my life seen a quarterback run for more than maybe 30 <laughs> yards in a game. So it was a new experience for me. Uh, I'm excited to break it down with you. There's a lot to talk about because, again, it's a very new-look Patriots, and I'm not sure how much we can really take from week one as we've been talking all offseason. No preseason, very little practice time. <clears throat> I think these next couple of games are very much of a mini preseason, a lot of implementation and experimentation. But a win's a win. I'm excited about it. But as always, Rich, we do these podcasts after the game. Let's go around the league, talk about the week that was in the NFL. Are there any games in particular that weren't the Patriots game that stood out to you that you'd like to break down? Oh, man, absolutely. I, I think it's always interesting to see who are the best quarterbacks in the league because those are the teams that are going to be competing for the Super Bowl uh, at the end of the year. And the top quarterbacks this year, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, reigning champions. They defeated the Houston Texans with Sean Watson, who's another top 10 quarterback in my mind. But the Chiefs won opening game 34 to 20. Sammy Watkins, the receiver for the Chiefs, had his you know typical week one, oh my gosh, is he finally going to break out game? Seven catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but what really stood out for me is Edwards Hilaire, their first round rookie, had 138 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And if you add uh, an, an elite rushing attack, uh, they have Kalechi Osamele, too, on the offensive line. If you have an elite rushing game, for the Chiefs, there's absolutely no defense that's going to be able to hold them below, you know, 25 points. And so, if Mahomes can get you those 25 points, this Chiefs has have a, like the opportunity to run the table. No, I know. I don't actually. I haven't purposely. I haven't been looking for any of those week one overreaction. Can the Chiefs go 16 and 0 articles? But I'm sure they're out there. Uh, I, I am curious as to whether. The Chiefs were so successful on the ground because of just general rustiness in the tackling mm -hmm. game for defense. I think that's definitely going to be an issue for defenses. Just getting your body up to contact speed is something you have to really do. Usually the preseason is great for that. The contact drills are able to do. And you see that in the first couple weeks of the season. But, yeah, it's something to monitor. The Chiefs were a team last year where they could be down 30 points with six minutes left and Holmes could come back <clears throat> and, and score 30 points on like six throws. And they have that a running game now to add to that. Uh, very, very scary team. Thought the Ravens, the other scary team in the AFC, looked pretty good. It was the Browns, granted, but 38 <laughs> points is 38 points. Uh, that's a pretty impressive showing. And so it looks like both the Baltimore Ravens and the Chiefs picked up right when they left off at the two best teams in the AFC. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, Lamar Jackson, again, incredible. Only five incompletions all day, three touchdowns, no interceptions, added 45 yards on the ground. He was, again, you know, he was MVP last year. He is, you know, uh, hasn't lost a step. Teams haven't solved him. Uh, so he is still doing very, very well. Um, quarterback who's having a bit of a renaissance that's worth touching on 
is Aaron Rodgers uh, yeah. with the Packers. He looked in extreme control of the Packers offense, uh, completed 73% of his passes for 364 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, and a very good, typically, defense with led by Mike Zimmer, their, their head coach. So the Vikings usually have a defense that don't make mistakes. Rodgers had looked a little bit washed over the past few years as he was dealing with injuries, and even when he came back, he wasn't that same player, but he looked to have refound his his top form he did indeed uh um, which makes some people very happy there's some people that are just dying on the aaron Rodgers, the goat hill and maybe (laughs) they have some more more ammo in their tool belt now Uh, another quarterback i think we should touch on maybe not as much in this podcast maybe the next podcast we do later in the week but russell wilson from the Mm -hmm. seahawks will be playing the patriots next week was absolutely absurd Uh, i think he only missed four passes 31 of 35 i believe was his final stat line for four tds um He's the best deep ball quarterback in the NFL by leaps and bounds. So mobile. That Seahawks defense and see that Seahawks offense is something to watch this year. Oh, I absolutely agree. Apparently, so the the Seahawks offense has typically been hampered by just some very conservative play calling. You know, they they love to establish the run and all these sort of outdated sort of ideas on how an offense should function. And they were always their most effective when they got into the no huddle where Russell Wilson had a lot of control of the offensive line. And so there's a rumor going around that he sat down the coaching staff this year and was like, guys, like. I'm getting older right now. Uh, we, we can't keep doing this. Our offense can't keep letting us down. I trust our defense to be fine. Pete Carroll, you can do that. But you got to unleash me on offense. And uh, if, if that is truly what happened, it's really paid off. 38 points. That's a lot. Uh, and he had yeah. just as many touchdown passes as he had incompletions. This is an offense that if they, they've always had all of the talent in the world. I think Tyler Lockett is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league. And if you have Russell Wilson able to do his thing, where I don't think there's any defense that can contain them either. No, I agree, which does not necessarily bode well for the Patriots next week, but <laughs> we'll talk about that down the line away. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit from, from quarterbacks that had great days to two quarterbacks that had pretty lousy days at the end of it. Um, a potential game of the week situation between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by newly minted quarterback Tom Brady. Ooh. And the New Orleans Saints, led by another awesome Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees. Uh, I didn't watch much of this game. Uh, I watched the first quarter where Brady looked fantastic. And then as I was driving home, I kind of caught some glimpses and highlights where they just kind of fell apart. Brees didn't look good either. These two quarterbacks, granted, it's week one. Let's not panic here. But they both looked pretty old and, and slow and behind the eight ball here. Let's not lie about it. Oh, no, it's absolutely true. I think Brady had his pick six. You can't win a game if you have that. But, I I mean, Drew Brees also didn't look good either. Only 60% of his passes completed. This is a guy who normally gets closer to 80% completed. Only 160 yards. Luckily, they have Alvin Kamara, who is able to turn water into wine. Latavius Murray was also effective on the ground as well. But I, I think the the... Saints offense will find its footing. It's more concerning in my mind with the the Bucks in the fact that Brady hasn't looked good in a while. I I, I think uh, part of why Bill Belichick was willing to let Tom Brady go uh, at the end of last year was the fact that he hadn't been playing at a high level since you know the opening weeks of the season like as 2019 wore onwards he suffered like a few injuries he had an elbow injury here a calf injury there and 
I was looking at the numbers and his production after he suffered a calf injury against the Miami Dolphins in week three. And, you know, from the Bills game onwards, he's been a below average quarterback. Uh, from a, an efficiency per standpoint, from like a, a production standpoint, I think he still has, I mean, obviously the, the best quarterback mind in football with regards to how he fits into an offense. Uh, but, you know, learning a new offense as well as having declining physical skills is a recipe for disaster in my mind. And I mean, he played like he was a bottom five quarterback uh, of this past week. Think he'll th- get together and the Bucks will be okay, or think this is a indicator of maybe a very mediocre season for Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean it could be both. I mean <laughs> it could be a mediocre season. I know that Bruce Arians' offenses usually takes like a year for the quarterback to settle in, and so like maybe next year he'll come out just being absolutely incredible. Um, but we talked all off season about how these opening weeks are just going to be like the preseason anyways. He's yep. like, he wasn't able to really find Mike Evans, one catch for two yards and a touchdown. So once you get Mike Evans a little bit more involved, this offense is going to take off. Uh, they, I mean, Brady is still learning how to function down there. I, I would just say that uh, even if he does find his footing or learn the offense it might be too late to do anything this year. Tell you one thing that we can always take to the bank and not overreact on week one is the New York Jets looking terrible. <laughs> uh, they looked awful on Sunday. The Bills put 27 on them, which I don't think the Bills looked that great either. After Josh nope. Allen was back in Josh Allen form, fumbling, missing some wide open receivers, um, just like passes that like a, a junior high school quarterback probably could have completed. He finds ways to overthrow. Jets stink. Bills are going to be good, I think, um, but it's always refreshing and a nice feeling of normalcy in a very unnormal year to watch the Jets just blow right away. It was great. Oh, it's true. I, I, I mean, this is a team that just looks awful no matter what. I mean, I, I love Jameson Crowder as a wide receiver, but my goodness, this team is just devoid of any direction. There's talent. I think Le'Veon Bell is now on the IR, but they there was talent on this team, <laughs> and... They just weren't able to do anything with it. Adam Gaze has got to be the worst head coach in football. I would be shocked if he made it through this season. I have no idea why he got hired in the first place as a retread of someone who wasn't able to maximize the talent of a player down in Miami. This is just happening all over again. This is a disaster for the Jets. And as you said, I don't think the Bills looked that good either. I think Josh Allen, uh, he threw the ball 46 times. So he, he was producing just off the back of volume. He wasn't very efficient, but like he had so many opportunities. And I think that you look at the skill players that they have. You have Diggs. Brown and Beasley, those are three guys that are going to be very, very good. And I think they're elevating his production. I don't know if necessarily Allen has improved from uh, like a physical production standpoint. You know, I don't think he himself has gotten much better, but we'll have a full year to see. As we said, this is the opening week. Um, but I, I would just say that the, the Bills defense continues to look great. Uh, the, this team could definitely compete in the AFC uh, as one of those, you know, wild card teams not yet really going to be able to do anything with the chiefs and the ravens but like enough to make some noise and be considered a, a playoff team later in the year completely agree with that right now they do look like a wild card team because once again rich hill i would say as of right now this early point in the year the new england patriots currently once again sit number one as the best team in the AFC east took out the dolphins 21 to 11 could have been like 35 to 3 35 to 10 if Certain bounces or calls had gone the Patriots' way, not the Dolphins' way. It was a unique experience watching a Cam Newton-led Patriots offense, very, very run-heavy, 
New England rushed for 217 yards on the ground. Cam Newton led the day with 75 yards, 15 carries for a quarterback, which I believe is maybe 10 more than you thought he'd, he'd call for yeah. himself. <laughs> Pretty good podcast. That was very interesting to see. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked by how much they relied on Newton to run the ball because so many of them were, you know, either designed runs with regards to, like, being options. You know, the, he had the ability to take it and go himself. And he did a really good job getting to the outside, which I think reduces the opportunities for him to get contact and possibly get hurt. So I think that they did a really good job of designing opportunities for Cam Newton to get into space and not risk his his body to more physical injury than what was necessary for the position. Um, but I, I, I was really shocked to see how seamless the, the Patriots offense seemed to, to pick up the Cam Newton-led approach. Because the offensive line looked as great as ever. Their interior line was dominant. And I, I think that with Newton at the helm and with Edelman, you know, looking like his normal, reliable self, this offense looks like it could be a top 10 unit. I mean, I, I don't think that any player is really going to emerge behind Edelman and like, a, oh, my goodness, this player can really do it and like carry this offense. But I think that there are enough pieces here and Newton is able to do enough on his own that he can lead a typical Cam Newton offense where they're going to be in that roughly 10th overall in the league range of production. And that's absolutely going to be enough with how good this defense is. Let me ask you this, Rich. This is a probably an unfair question to ask anybody at this point in the season, especially going up against the Dolphins, who I think look just absolutely atrocious on Sunday. At no point were they really a threat to, to win this game. Again, they were kept alive by a couple of questionable DPI calls, which happens seemingly every single year. But Cam Newton only threw the ball 15 times, uh, 19 times, excuse me, mm -hmm. 15 completions on 19. Should have been 60 for 19. Hit Edelman right in the numbers. So that's very efficient. But 19 attempts is a absurdly low amount for any offense, let alone a Patriots offense. Do you think the offensive game plan we saw on Sunday is going to be any way kind of the, the quote-unquote base offense, or will they continue just to kind of adjust on the fly and be very game plan specific, and Newton will throw 40 times one game, he'll throw it 20 times the next game, and they'll bounce back and forth that way? Or is this kind of what we're going to see a base for the Patriots going forward? Very run heavy, a lot of Newton runs, a lot of around the ground pounding, and then pass when they need to. Yeah, well, I, a couple points here. One is that, yeah, that 19 pass attempts, one of the lowest in the entire league. As far as it comes to Bill Belichick offenses, this is the fewest number of pass attempts for a Patriots starter under Bill Belichick that did not involve an injury to the starting quarterback or it being a season finale where, you know, the quarterback generally doesn't play the whole game. And so this was one of the least pass heavy offenses we've ever seen. Uh, so that's definitely where we're starting from. This is an offense that is going to rely at the beginning of the year on the smallest, fewest, least number of pass attempts at, that we're, we're used to seeing. But I also want to say that this is be the beginning of the year, and this is where the Patriots are trying to figure out what they're capable of doing. And so I'm sure as they were installing the offense over the offseason, they're like, okay, Cam Newton can do this. Cam Newton can run the ball. <laughs> he can still definitely do that. We're going to use this as our initial offense as we try to incorporate and settle in on and improve on and become more comfortable with the rest of the offense. And you say that, you know, Newton is still learning how to play with these other players. Edelman had the third most snaps of the wide receivers behind uh, Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry. So Edelman's not fully integrated into the offense. Harry and Bird, Bird didn't see a single target. So the, these are going to be 
receivers that will hopefully get more opportunities as you know newton learns the offense as these receivers learn the offense as josh mcdaniels learns what the skill sets are of these players and we're going to see this to continue to transform over the course of the year in typical patriots fashion you know first four weeks what it's an extension of the preseason next four weeks what do we have here uh third four weeks okay let's like establish what we're really good at here and then the final four weeks is this is how we're going to define ourselves heading into the postseason completely agree i mean it's easy to forget that cam newton's been a patriot for what two months <laughs> it's and, so true. and in those two months he was splitting reps in limited practices with brian Hoyer and jared Sidham. So, like, how many snaps did he actually get with the first-team offense? I, I think very few, probably under 100 snaps, honestly, if I had to guess. And to sit there and install a totally new offense that's nothing to do with his skill set is just foolish. So I think you're totally right. McDaniel's like, all right, here's the kind of offense Cam knows how to run well. Let's not teach an old dog new tricks yet. Let's c- control the r- run game. Let's let's see where we've got and, and go from there. Uh, I think it's great to have the option. Again, I don't remember – the Patriots ever having an RPO quarterback, uh, maybe Doug Flutie back in the day kind of was a mobile guy, but there really isn't anything we've seen like this. And anytime you can you can rush for 200 plus yards and control the clock like that, they had almost 36 minutes of possession. Um, I, I think it was it was really fun to see. And I'll tell you, the, a real pleasant surprise for me, Rich, on offense at least, was a running back JJ Taylor. Yes. Um, he didn't get a lot of carries. I think he only got four, but he averaged about seven yards a carry. Looked very decisive. He was hard to bring down. He had a reception out of the backfield. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a key part of the offense, especially when Damian Harris comes back. But I like what I saw out of that guy. He's a good kind of shifty change of pace back. Not, I don't, I don't compare him to Deion Lewis, but he's of that kind of mold. He's kind of hard to tackle little guys that just seem to make guys miss. Yeah, I was impressed by how his burst looked heading at the line of scrimmage. You know, he was able to get his foot in the ground and just lower his shoulder and get to that next level much faster than I expected. He, he is someone that, like, that skill set alone will get him opportunities on the field because he, if he can get past this line of scrimmage and then fall forward, that's pretty good. I, this is a great offensive line. He could average four yards a carry just doing that. And in my mind, too, I think Sony Michelle, uh, you know, 37 yards and a touchdown. He is, it's just hard to see what the Patriots are trying to do with him. And having a player like J.J. Taylor who can run and catch in the same way that uh, James White can, in the same way that Rex Burkhead can, and in the same way that the Patriots believe that Damian Harris can, it's hard to see the Patriots' vision for Michelle as just a run-only back unless they're just going to use him purely by the goal line, which, you know, in his defense, he's been pretty successful with. Yeah, no, I know it's true. And, I, you know, he, especially now that you have Cam Newton, who's a running back of his own right, uh, I, I do not know where the Patriots are going to go in terms of their offensive running identity. Uh, I did like what I saw to Jakob Johnson. I thought he looked great as a fullback, mm-hmm. opened up some holes in the middle of the field. And maybe this is – I think there were a couple formations, Rich, on, on Sunday where the Patriots were like in a 41 personnel. It was like four <laughs> tight ends out there. Um, so maybe if there's just going to be one of those things where like we're running it, we know you're running we're running it, you know we're running it, good luck stopping it. Maybe that's Michelle's role, and that's fine. You know, if you have a quarter, if you have a running back who's going to pick up three yards on third and two every single time, that's extremely valuable. So I don't want to kind of dismiss what Michelle can bring to the table, but there's a lot of versatility in that backfield, especially with Newton back there as well, and that Michelle might kind of be the the odd man out in the terms of the the major conversation. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I, I think that the more that a running back can do, the more opportunities they'll have out there. Uh, and with Newton stressing defenses so much, having players who can catch out of the backfield 
in open space is going to be super valuable. Um, but someone I want to talk about on offense about catching the ball, Alec, Nikhil Harry, mm. five catches, 39 yards, zero touchdowns, one enormous fumble. What was your thought on his outing? Yeah, so – Again, I don't think any of the receivers really blew anybody away because uh, because they did they only had 15 passes to among them. So uh, again, we talked about how the offense is going to evolve, and I think the receivers will get more involved as the season goes on. Uh, and I think honestly, overall, I think Harry had a decent day. Um, I think he had a nice screen out of the out of the backfield. He he got separation. Um, he was fighting for the ball, but as you mentioned, the elephant in the room is that fumble at the goal line. When it first happened in the immediate aftermath of the play, I'm like, oh, that happens. Bad luck. You know, defenses are allowed to make plays. Those things are, are, are part of the game, and you want to learn from it and not fumble when it really matters. Because against a better team, that was a 15-point swing, that play. So you can't have that uh, in when the game really matters and there's a better team out there. But then when you go back and look at the replay, it looked to me – maybe you can, can disagree with me here, Rich. It looked to me like he was trying to extend – the ball a bit, get it away from his body and get into the end zone for a touchdown. And he lost the ball security there as opposed to just going down at the what one or two yard line. They get punching in from there. So I think that was a bit of a mental error that absolutely can't happen again. Hopefully he'll learn from it and we won't see it anymore. Yeah, I mean I definitely agree. That that's a mental error that, you know, Bill Belichick benches people for. He coaches people not to reach the ball to the goal line because of the worst rule in in the NFL. Honestly, I think that this uh if you fumble out of the end zone, it's a safety or like the it's like a turnover to the other team. That just makes no sense it being a touchback. It, it makes literally no sense. I saw something a little differently. I thought Harry was switching the ball from one hand to the other because he felt the defender putting pressure and trying to force a fumble. So he was, in his mind, trying to protect the ball by the goal line. But in my head, that's still a mental error. You just go down to the ground. You you go down at the one and just say, you know what, we're going to try again next time. Don't try and uh, fumble around with the ball that close to the goal line and cause, as you said, a 15-point swing. Uh, But my concern, though, is that Harry, he... They had to design all of these plays for him to get that separation, which is fine. That's what offensive coordinators are there for. It's not a knock that, you know, a player needs to or is his primary function of getting open is through design. That just means it's a good offensive play call. I I think once Harry gets the ball, he needs to show a little bit more with yards after the catch. Maybe the Patriots can get him a little bit more in space. But with that fumble on the goal line, I'm just really nervous slash I don't know what's going to happen with him that he's going to be in Bill Belichick's doghouse. So to, we'll, we'll see how Bill Belichick perceives that fumble by the goal line. It's absolutely unacceptable. But if there's less, you know, whatever the intention was, whatever their understanding is, I wonder how many more opportunities Harry will get or if they'll turn the offense over to someone like Jacoby Myers. We'll see. Myers had no targets at all. Harry was out there after the fumble, which is good to see. Sometimes you don't see guys at all the rest of the game when they fumble or make a mistake like that. So Belichick seems to be forgiving at this point. But again, it is early. It's still basically the preseason. And yeah, if Harry can't make that second year leap, uh, an already questionable receiving core becomes a bad one. And there may be some some trade talks in the works. But again, that's way too early to talk about. Um, speaking of way too early, uh, I think the defense looked great. Yep. Uh, I know it was against the Dolphins, against Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was definitely Fitz-tragic and not Fitz-magic <laughs> uh, on Sunday. But 
they more or less picked up where they left off. Uh, three interceptions, if I remember correctly, including one yep. in the end zone. Um, Stephon Gilmore looked good, despite the fact that he got flagged for DPI. Derek Rivers got his first sack, which was awesome. Uh, welcome to the team, finally, after like eight years of being on IR. And I'll tell you who my kind of defensive game ball goes to, Rich. Not because he is the best player in the field, because I was just so pleasantly surprised that he just made a contribution. Joe John Williams. Yeah. Um, where'd that guy come from? <laughs> Yeah, it seems like they finally figured a role for him. He, he's going to be the guy who defends the big receiving tight ends, and he did an excellent job at it. I was very, very impressed by it. Uh, and I was impressed by the, the rotation that the Patriots had of their four cornerbacks. You know, Gilmore was an every-snap guy, but John Jones, Jason McCourty, and J.C. Jackson all played roughly 75% of the snaps. So th- there's a lot of, a lot of uh, pie to go around for all of these players. But another player who really stood out in my mind was Adrian Phillips, who did yeah. a really good job at that safety spot. He has the opportunity to play a little bit in the linebacker role, uh, defending the running backs out of the backfield that we're familiar with from Pat Chung. Um, and so he, he's definitely bringing a lot of value despite missing a lot of the offseason. And I, I think that we slash I was concerned a little bit about how is this Patriots defensive front seven going to look with all of these new faces and uh, I, I don't think there's necessarily too much to be concerned about at this point from a linebacker position. I think Jawan Bentley looked great. I think Phillips looks good next to him. John Simon, Chase Winovich looked as good as you would have expected. And I like Shilly Calhoun being a part of that rotation. He absolutely deserves it. And same with Dietrich Wise. This is a unit that has pretty good uh, balance in rotation on the edge. It's how much can the interior stand up, and based off of how the Dolphins just weren't competitive the entire game, uh, you had Adam Butler in there a lot, and so Lawrence Guy didn't really play much. So we don't really know what the Patriots have up the middle from a, a strength standpoint, but I, I was very, very pleased with how the defense looked in their first outing. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I can really take away one way or another. Uh, I think I think Fitzpatrick was just he's had a really bad game. I don't think the Dolphins at any point were threatening, uh, and it, it's hard to say. Oh man, the defense is is totally great. They're back because there was just nothing. I think the leading receiver was Devontae Parker with like 46 yards. So uh, that's always a good thing. But I think there's a much bigger, bigger test coming up on Sunday night against Seattle. If the Patriots can hold the Seahawks, who are just awesome offensively to a similar performance. Uh, I think you and I could talk next week about this defense being legit again, but I am happy with it, but I'm taking it all with a pretty big grain of salt because I don't think there was much of an opponent across from that on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And also, as we've said, uh, as we applied to other teams, this is still the extended preseason. We don't really know what those teams are yet at this point, as they are also installing whatever they're going to look like, but really good first step have a huge test next week as they face the Seahawks, as you said. But we'll break that down on our podcast later this week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week one of the NFL season? Uh, congratulations on a great career, Steven Guskowski, but it might be time to hang him up. Oof, that was one of the toughest things to watch. Three missed yeah. kisses, three missed kicks, as well as a missed extra point. But you know what? They still won. They still yeah. beat the Denver Broncos, so kudos to them. Uh, it's, yeah, tough way to, to end it, and he did get that game-winning field goal with 17 seconds left. So, whew, good, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness for him. Um, <laughs> well, Alec, that's it for week one. Until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later.